Good morning. My name is Peter Scott. I serve here as a senior pastor. Would you like to grab your seats? Today is Good Friday. Good Friday. And it's a somber, significant day. And a day, the events of which are central to what Christians believe. Uh, central to how we understand who Jesus is. Uh, what he did. The consequences of his death on the cross. And we call it a little bit of theology, the idea of, of what happened. Um, but what we believe is that Jesus died for us, for everyone. And that his death restores relationship with God. That it covers the penalty for sin. And that his death and then resurrection ushered in victory over evil. Crucial for us is how we respond to the events of Good Friday. There's a verse in the Bible that you might have heard of, John 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world, the world, all of us, that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believed in him, and there's a type of response to say, oh, actually, I believe, would have eternal life. And the Bible goes on to talk about this eternal life, not as something that's just out in the distance, but something that can start here and now, here in our lives, now. It's available depending on how we respond. Now, for some, that response might be an immediate, actually, yes, I believe. And, and many people can remember the moment they said yes, the first time they said, I believe in Jesus. But the response is also an ongoing, evolving, developing response. It happens day by day. It can shift from, I think I believe, to I believe with my whole heart, I'm convinced, to actually my whole life is shaped by my daily response to the words, the works, and the ways of Jesus. So today, this morning, I want us to ask this question, how do we respond as we encounter Jesus on the day of his death? How do we respond as we encounter Jesus on the day of his death? And to help us with that, we're going to look at some of the people who did encounter Jesus on the day of his death. We're going to read through together most of John's Gospel's reporting of that day of Jesus' death. And we're going to have the words up on the screen. We're going to hear them read to us. I'd encourage you also, though, to have your Bible out so that you can read along. You can reread bits if you would like to. And as we go through, I'm going to inject some thoughts and some perspectives. Are you ready to do this together? Now, of course, the night before, last night, Jesus had had a supper. We, we call that now the Last Supper. He'd met with some of his followers. They had a meal. And then they went out to a, to a garden and Jesus prayed. Some of his friends slept. And at a certain point in that night, last night, a group of soldiers came, led by Judas, one of Jesus' followers, and they arrested Jesus. And they took him to the high priest's house 
Now, the high priest's name was Caiaphas, and his father, Annas, had been the high priest before him. So in the passages that we read, we'll hear both men referred to as the high priest. But we're going to start our reading in John 18, verse 19, at the high priest's house. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. Now this was probably a a room lit by lanterns, candles. It was cold and dark outside, the Bible tells us. But in here there's a group of men gathered Uh, officials, priests, and Jesus bound and maybe flanked by a couple of the heavies that have come through the night to get him, and John, his friend, who is probably loitering in the background and able to record the conversation. Now, it's a place where the gathered men feel safe and certain, and it's a place where they finally have an opportunity to talk to this Jesus without the ignorant mob around And there's one man there who's who's an official. There's lots of them there, but the Bible tells us about one man who's an official. And uh, I'm going to speculate a little bit, but I'm pretty sure he would have been deeply, deeply committed to the way of life that he absolutely believed God had put in place. He would have grown up with it. In fact, he's probably spent his life working his way into this senior official position. And I... I imagine what's going through his head, looking at this, this uneducated Jesus, who's been taking pot shots at everything that we believe, at everything actually that holds our society together. Now this Jesus, he's very clever, he's very popular, he's a great speaker, and yet, here, where he's got a chance to explain himself, he's being silent, he's not answering. I'm actually getting quite mad about it. He's not trying to use his clever words in here because we know what we're talking about. Can't this man see that he's wrong and repent? Justice needs to occur. In fact, I won't stand for this. How dare he? When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. I think we can encounter this Jesus as a voice from the margin of our world, even on a Good Friday. A voice challenging the order that we've committed to challenging our lifestyle that we believe in. And that sort of challenge, well, that encounter might make us a little angry. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, 
What charges are you bringing against this man? Now, this pilot, he's a governor. Governor of a Judean, of a Roman province called Judea. Sort of a backwater place, difficult to govern, and his task is just keep it under control. But he's a man with authority. A man probably with some political understanding. A man who actually holds life and death in his hands. His life is intertwined with the whole system of empire. Now, he probably had heard about this Jesus. He would have had enough information coming to him. But on this morning, I can't help but think that in this encounter, this is a sense of, it's another political decision to be made. Another decision in my life that I have to make. And so Pilate talks to the Jewish leaders. He hears their complaints. And then he goes and talks to the prisoner. Now, this is a Roman system of justice. You listen to both sides. And then this judge, Pilate, proposes a, a kind of a clever political solution. He went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him! Give us Barabbas! Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Chapter 19, verse 4. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stove pavement, stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover, it was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. 
Pilate's encounter here with Jesus, it's, it's a clash of what's good for me, Pilate, with what's the right thing to do. Clash of self versus justice. His world, perhaps literally his life, depends on obedience to Caesar. That's what the high priests are pushing on. Pilate knows that the good thing for him is just get rid of this problem. And yet, in his conversations with Jesus, there's this dawning realisation that this man is innocent. Perhaps this man's even who he says he is. And so Pilate's encounter leaves him with this, is it me or is it you? This is an encounter that requires a decision. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. The soldiers. Some of these guys have probably fought in the Roman army, suffered in the Roman army. Maybe they've become cruel and bitter because of what life's thrown at them. Men who live lives where the only way to go is just obey orders, don't think. And as they're sitting there gambling for clothes, maybe they're just trying to salvage something out of this day where they've been forced again to execute in a brutal way people they don't know. I wonder if these guys didn't really even see Jesus. In their minds it was encounter. What encounter? This is just another difficult day. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. If you've ever loved someone, can you even imagine this encounter? Jesus' mother is, is probably close enough, probably separated by the soldiers, but probably close enough to be able to look into his eyes. There's people walking past, maybe throwing insults. It might be noisy. She can probably taste the tears in her mouth, strange smells. And inside there are emotions going on that are just tearing her apart. 
This is her son. How can she reconcile this, this horrific death with what the angel said those years ago? He will be great, the angel had said. He will be given the throne of the father David. He will reign forever. That's, that's what the angel had said. And yet here he is, brutalized and dying and, and in the least powerful position a person could possibly be. Surely Mary's encounter with her dying son must have been one of overwhelming grief and confusion. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus's lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus's body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Joseph and Nicodemus, they encounter a corpse. Now, these are two guys who were men of means. And it seems that they had come to the conclusion that this was indeed the Messiah. They put their hope in Jesus at great personal risk, probably for both of them. And yet, on this day, they must be asking themselves the question, can God die? Their encounter with Jesus, the body, must have been full of disappointment. So as we come to the end of the reporting of this day of Jesus' death in John's Gospel, we see that the encounters have been different. There's been a response of anger encountering Jesus. A decision required. Maybe apathy, overwhelming grief, confusion, disappointment. So the question for us, again, is how do we respond as we encounter Jesus? Good Friday, 2021, on this day where we remember his death. I want to invite you 
between now and Sunday morning to find time to reflect on that question. Just you and God. Maybe you can use John's Gospel as we've read through it there in this section just as you spend time reflecting. And I want to offer you a thought for consideration and it's this. That I don't think our response is necessarily just one element. For each of us, there might be a combination of some anger, some disappointment, some grief, some confusion. But also in that reflection, there are three things that we have that none of the people that we've just walked with had See, Good Friday 2021, we know that Jesus did rise from the dead. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit as we reflect to minister to us. And we have the amazing gift of God's Word to take us through that reflection. And so with a combination of those three things, then we know in our reflection that Jesus died for us. That in this encounter, it restores relationship. As Jesus rises again, provides for restoration of relationship between us and God. It allows forgiveness of our sins. It shows that God has conquered evil for all time. And it also shows the way if we want to follow the words and the works and the ways of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross shows us the way of laying down our lives for others. And as we put all of that into our reflection on how we respond, then we can add in to the options, humble gratitude and praise. I'd love us to pray together. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond, but... I invite you now to just pray with me as we come before our God. Well, Lord Jesus, it is, it is hard to find appropriate words today to express the complexity of emotions that, that we might be feeling, the complexity of thought as we remember your death. But we say thank you. Thank you that it was for us. Thank you that you chose to do for us at such a price what we could never do for ourselves. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you for ministering to us as we read the scripture. And as we pray right now, I want to give an opportunity for response. To invite anybody who wants to respond to raise your hand and and I'll just walk through some responses that you might have. As eyes are closed and heads bowed. It may be that this morning you've come to the point of saying, I actually do believe in Jesus. Maybe this is the first time I believe in Jesus and actually I want to follow him. And if that's you, I invite you to respond by raising your hand. Perhaps you want to respond by saying, sorry by recognizing what has been done for you, recognizing that my sins are covered by what Jesus did on the cross and this is a chance for me to just say, I'm sorry. And if that's you, I invite you to respond just by raising your hand. 
And finally, perhaps you can't quite articulate what's going on. Perhaps there's something in you that just says thank you. Perhaps there's something in you where you just want to respond because this is between you and God and nobody else. And I just invite you to raise your hand and say, Lord, I respond to you and what you did on Good Friday. Father God, I pray for each person who's raised their hand as a symbol of response to you. I pray for each person who will do that as they reflect in the coming days or weeks or months. I pray you'd guide us in our ongoing reflection about who you are and what you've done. Teach us to follow you with our head, our hearts and our hands. And Father, may all that we do as a community bring you glory. On this Good Friday, Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Amen.